The year is 121 BC. The Aventine Hill is in chaos as the Roman tribune of the plebeians, Tiberius Sempronius Gracchus, had been slain by a mob dispatched by the Senate. The same horrific fate as his brother just a few short years before. The death of the Gracchi brothers would henceforth be marked as the first true death throes of the Roman Republic and its degradation to an empire. In the dead of night, the Temple of Concord, a symbol of unity between the elite and lower classes, was defaced with the large, scrawling text, This Temple of Concord is the work of mad discord. Welcome to Liberty After Dark. Let's talk about why democracy and its many forms sucks. Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you guys enjoyed that little window into history. For those of you who don't know, just to give a slight bit of background, I'm a really, really big fan of the classics. In fact, it's my favorite point of history without any... There's nothing even close, really. Maybe you could say, like, uh, you know, American history is probably the next closest, but compared to the, the classics, specifically Roman pre-Empire... Uh, like the Republic era, it's probably my favorite time of history to examine because I feel like there are so many other parallels you can draw into the future that have been done hundreds of times. So I'm not going to sit here and blabber on about it. But seriously, uh, if you're interested and you'd like to learn more about the Gracchi brothers, one of my favorite stories throughout all of history, I'd highly recommend that you check out episodes 19 and 20 from the History of Rome podcast by Mike Duncan. Maybe you'll fall in love with it and uh, continue listening from there. But widely regarded as one of the best history podcasts ever produced. Uh, highly recommend you take a listen to it. Uh, two more quick pieces of housekeeping. Uh, sorry there hasn't been an episode in a month and some change. I guess you could say I was a little uninspired uh, by the news lately. I was hoping to have more things to talk about than I have. So I think really it was the debates uh, and the coming of the debates and then watching the debates that gave me the, the wind in my sails to make this episode. And I am recording this first part right after the debates. And uh, boy, what an experience. And that's the second piece of housekeeping. Thanks for all of you who came out and supported us uh, for the Float live stream. For those of you who don't know, Float is a free speech platform that is dedicated to keeping you and your uh, posting and existence online as safe from the ever extending fingers of government and wide corporate interests in check. So I'd highly recommend you go check them out. We will do some live streaming over there in the future. And we have two float accounts, one for me personally and one for the show. I'll go ahead and plug the show one here. And that's Liberty underscore after underscore dark. So float.app, F-L-O-T-E dot app slash Liberty underscore after underscore dark. Give us a follow over there so you can keep up with all of the current releases of the show and whatnot. On to the actual meat and potatoes. Uh, for those of you who listened to the beginning of this and immediately thought to yourself, whoa, 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 wait a minute. 
Rome was not a democracy. Very apt of you. Um, to be honest, I couldn't I couldn't think of a better title. And I do really want to focus on democracy since it is lauded as like this perfect system by like the collective American consciousness, which I understand is a gross generalization. But work with me here a little bit. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about some fun stuff. So you gotta work with me just a little bit. Uh, but I feel we're going to be making claims that I will also think apply to other representative forms or, unre I guess, personally representative forms of government. Anything where you have voting majorities, that would probably be the best title for this episode. Why any system of government that has voting majorities or voting period sucks. Uh, and I think, you know, that doesn't make for as good of a title now, does it? So. Work with me on that, and uh, I promise by the end of this, we'll come out of it either reaffirming something you already knew or coming with a different perspective on something you didn't know, or we'll just have a good time and uh, just chortle about these ideas. So what exactly makes democracy suck? I think this is probably the easiest place to start. And from here, we can kind of expound this majority vote and representative governments and representative democracies and republics and et cetera, yada, yada, yada. So from here, what is the issue fundamentally with a democracy? Uh, so if you're listened to the show before, you know that any form of government that is going to be ethical has to be entirely consensual. Right. Uh, and at that point, you know, it, it, can you even call it a government? I suppose you could if you wanted to, but it has to be entirely consensual. So any form of non-consensual governance is, in fact, uh, invalid. Right. It's unethical. A really important part about consent that a lot of people miss when we talk in these libertarian circles or these uh, these anarchist circles is that consent is something that you can withdraw in any capacity, right? It's always an option to withdraw your consent. Uh, in a lot of cases, say uh, you are consenting to certain privacy concerns to with your internet service provider and you withdraw your consent, well, part of your agreement with them will be if you withdraw your consent, you also lose the rights to access this product um, because you know they'll want to collect your data to make money. That's a completely, in my opinion, sensible transaction to happen between these two entities. Something I've always found really in entertaining, at least, is that we have a lot of people in government who like to talk about consent, but that consent ends when you're no longer dealing with a private entity. So in my example, I also use a private entity where you should be able to withdraw your consent from, say, you know, your social media platform or Internet service provider or whatever. And, you know, then the deal's done. It's it's over with. But you can't do something like that with government. So pretend, for example, we were there when the Constitution was drafted and we signed on to this Constitution that said we will. Uh, consent to these people dictating how we run our lives and we will vote for them. And all of this sounds great. And we agree to all of it. And we all think that this is in our best interest, which is fundamentally something you could do. Uh, the second you are no longer able to withdraw your consent to this organization, it no longer becomes consensual. <laughs> you're, you're trapped in this agreement. And that's a huge Huge, huge issue. 
So what is all of this leading up to? Like, we get it. You can't have a government that isn't consensual, but you could, in theory, have some democracy that is everyone consents to, right? Well, the problem with voting and specifically majority voting is that usually, and there are cases where this isn't no, this isn't 100% true, usually in smaller communities, but the larger your voting block gets, the more likely you are to run into what we see really every four years or two years based off of what elections you're looking at, this 51-49 majority. And that becomes a real issue because you start looking at the fact that 49% of the people who voted disagreed with either what was on the ballot or who they were going to be represented by or some other various form of majority voting chicanery. And obviously, those people just have to live with whatever the majority says, right? Now, there are constitutional protections and there's a system in place to make sure it's not too horribly egregious. But at the end of the day, you know, let's say your stance is no matter what, you do not want taxes increased, right? And you live in New York City, okay? Your stance is that I will continue to consent to government interactions and, and my interactions with them as long as taxes are not increased from this point. I'm OK with everything that's here right now. Whatever. No issues. But anything past this point and I'm not OK. And you're a part of that probably way less than 49, honestly, 20 percent who voted for the person who wants to lower taxes and you're outvoted, right? In that, in that case, an 80-20. A lot of people will say, well, that's the fairest way to do things, right? If we say 80-20, uh, then that means 80% of the people who lived there, or at least in other cases, a simple majority of the people who were involved in this voting process wanted this change. It has to mean that that's the best for the overall community. And since we live in this community together, we have to make sacrifices for each other. This idea of the social contract where we, we give up a little bit of the things that we might want so that everybody can continue operating together in this society. What well, all comes back to consent? Well, you know, we've kind of primed this conversation already with the idea of consent, the topic. But if they vote to increase your taxes 80 to 20, it doesn't matter if it's an 80-20. It doesn't matter if it's a 90-20. It doesn't matter if it's a 99-1 or it doesn't matter if it's 20 million to one. The point is, is that you are in a position to where you have to you you should be able at that point to withdraw your consent and you can't right there's always a party that is screwed in these voting systems now whether they're screwed in what could be seen as a morally just or unjust way is a totally separate conversation do i for example think like let's put something super easy on there for libertarians like say and and we could always come back to this even though it's i think it's 2020 and it's a bit of a a dated argument at this point, but let's look at like gay marriage. Let's pretend gay marriage was on the ballot and it's 5149 to allow gay marriage. This is a completely different situation than 5149 to raise taxes because the removal of restrictions of government is not an offense to somebody in the sense that you are going to be then required to collect their assets against their will. Uh, you're literally just redeeming liberties that people should have already had to begin with. So I want to make it clear that not every single instance of voting ever is violence. 
I'm more so pointing out the fact that the removal of government from a place that it had no business being in the first place isn't bad. Obviously, that's progress in some form or another. It just so happens that the mechanism by which it reaches that point is completely inconsequential. Now that I've dropped that very often used, almost cliche phrase, I'm sure that one raised a couple of eyebrows. The easiest way to explain the concept of voting as violence is to say, is to look at the worst case example, okay? If you vote for someone who is in any way affiliated with any sort of legislation, which they almost, I, if you could show me a representative or senator who isn't, I will show you someone who you could probably vote for and it not be violence, who doesn't collect taxpayer collected money as a form of payment, who doesn't support any legislation that enforces any of the tyrannical happenings of modern governance, who doesn't support any of the continued police state. You know, the list is endless. They have to be basically the least functional, most deadweight member of the House or Senate ever, basically. And they have to vote no on pretty much everything, <laughs> almost everything. And it's it's a, uh, for lack of a better word, a fuster cluck, right? And when you get to this point, you start to realize that, okay, we have a lot of, of issues with any sort of majority voting system, which is why I said democracy and its related systems. Because democracy, a direct democracy, is just the people, 51 to 49. It's like what we or what some people, I shouldn't use the we word, what some people want to be like the mechanism for voting for president. They want to get rid of this electoral college idea, which is really the states voting for the president based off of electors, which are supposed to, in most states, represent the people's vote, but don't always, whatever, it's a whole nother topic. The idea that a direct democracy or any sort of republic or a representative democracy or any of these things makes any sort of a difference to the core issues at hand is preposterous. A vote for a representative who does something terrible is still you saying you are signing off on that person. You are saying this is the person who I think should literally rule over everyone and make all of the rules. OK, unless it's a unanimous consensual decision that everybody agrees to. And I guess if they voted and then didn't agree to it or didn't vote for them, but still agreed to them being being the, the leaders at that particular time, then I suppose there could potentially be no issue. But even at that point, you have the issue that the system that we have in place today, again, doesn't allow you to withdraw consent. You can't just say, mm, it doesn't apply to me. And if you can't withdraw consent, you can't consent to begin with. It's that simple. If you have a gun pointed at you and someone says, give me all of your money or I'll shoot you, and you say no, and they shoot you, that's not you being able to withdraw your consent. If someone says, give me your tax money because we voted on it and that's what's fair or I'll shoot you and you say no and they shoot you, you're not able to withdraw your consent, meaning you never you never were able to consent to begin with. Um, it's the same example with like rape, which you think would be such an easy concept for a lot of these people who constantly are, are, are talking about this topic. Any form of violence put against somebody at all immediately withdraws their ability to consent, right? Any sort of force, any sort of uh, alteration of a normal 
free consensual contract between two people uh, is 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 null and void after any sort of introduction of violence. Okay, so we get it, right? Democracies and all representative forms of government suck mostly because of consent. But I want to take it one step forward, right? I want to take it one step further and I want to talk about the fact that 51 over 49 in without any of the issues of consent is just a terrible mechanism of government. And it's more of a product of of compromise than it is any actual intellectual fortitude, right? So this idea that the majority knows best is literally preposterous. Uh, this is why we have things, the, 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 the founders put systems in place like the Electoral College, like representative democracy, because they knew that direct democracy is not productive because we have so many uneducated Un, just manipulated sheep, NPCs, if you want to call them that, in the general populace, that they can't be trusted with the ability to directly lord over their neighbors. They will abuse this power. People who are supposed to be trusted and trained to not abuse that power, abuse that power. And that's a horrible, horrible idea to think about. That this 51 over the 49 concept somehow makes it fair, it doesn't make it fair. In no situation does the majority says so make it fair. You could you could split it however you want. You could be like, okay, well, uh, 51% of us voted that Timmy needs to die. Doesn't matter why, he needs to die. Okay, but the majority said so, so it's fair. Timmy has to die now. Okay? That, that, that's not how this works. Or you could take it down as little as you want. 51% of us said that that dollar is now mine. It's $1, but it's mine now because the majority said it was mine. They, they said they saw me with it a week ago. It's mine now. Doesn't matter. 51% of people does not automatically make it right. That could be your dollar. It could not be your dollar. Just because a majority said so does not then make it right. What matters is the facts of the situation, the ethics of the situation. And that's something that a lot of people miss. And I mean a lot, a lot of, a lot of people. It doesn't matter if the majority is even right in most cases, because it's not the majority that makes them right. It's the fact that they're right that makes them right. Uh, and it comes down to this mob mentality, which is why every time I think of the failings of, of representative democracies and governments and any sort of representation or direct voting or any of these systems that are all kind of weird cousins, I think back to the brothers Gracchi. And, you know, they were totally abusing the system. Don't get me wrong. They were totally riling up the populace, pushing through massive social reforms that were unt untenable and literally just to, to cultivate public favor. But that's he was voted into that office to do that thing. Right. So based off of the system that they had in place, the one that they had all signed up to allegedly and consented to, he was well within his right to offer these massively uh, public and uh, publicly popular systems. Like, for example, you know, he was a big part of like the land grants and stuff like that. Both of the Gracchi brothers were really big in land reforms. And they were, there was a huge part of what they were doing that made them so popular. In fact, Gaius went as far as to offer 
all Latin citizens an equal vote in, in Roman politics, which is just completely unheard of. Anyone outside of Rome was not at the same level as those inside of Rome and on the rest of the Italian peninsula. He was abusing the system just as much as anybody else because he knew that if he could cultivate the will of the mob, he could pretty much get anything done that he wanted to. And it literally led to his death. That's how extreme his abuse of the system was. So once you start telling people that they have a certain power over each other, whether it's through a vote or whether it's through one of their representatives, there are people who will attempt to abuse that power. The whole idea of why these voting majorities are good is to try to smooth out the bumps so that you don't have just one person making all the shots for everyone. But I have to ask, if 50% of the people agree with the decision that one person makes and 50% of the people don't agree with the decision that one person makes, what's the difference between 51% of the people agreeing on a decision and 49 people agreeing on the decision. What if that leader just came down and just voted with the pool and they were the 51 or whatever? You know, it, it makes no functional difference. It feels better. It, it, it's perceived as better. We've been taught and told that it's better because of that. But it is no different. It is no different. If anything, once you remove a singular authority who starts, who's the one who makes all these shots, you start getting this, this weird miasma of, uh, of, of distance between the decision making. It's like, well, I'm just one member of the house. You know, I'm not a king, you know, or, or I'm just the president. The House of Representatives and the Senate, those are the people who pass the laws. You know, or just, I'm just one member of the court. You know, it's, it's, I'm just one vote out of many. Once you start getting to this level of detachment, it starts getting a little murky for people to really point a finger and be able to definitively say this is your fault. Because like I said, there's always that there's always that, that layer of detachment. There's always that. Well, you know, it wasn't me. It was my mob that killed the guy or it wasn't me that passed that vote. It was the whole house. We all agreed to it, you know, and and everybody voted for that person. So, yeah, or at least the majority did. So it's like, what do you want? You want us to go to the minority and let them be the ones who decide? Then the majority gets squashed. And that's the issue. We're in a position to where people are trying to make sure they don't get squished when they shouldn't ever have to worry about being squished to begin with. It shouldn't be something you have to worry about. The, f the issue with democracy is so fundamental to its core as an existing state of government that I think people, people grant it a certain purview that they don't grant to other forms of government. And I think that that's unfair. I really do. Like, if we're going to have this conversation, you see this a lot from big L libertarian types. They're like, oh, yeah, it's like we just need a small government. We just need a small representative government. It just, you know, it just doesn't need so much power. And then everything's peachy, right? Everything's fine. It's only a little bit oppressive, but it doesn't get rid of the core issue. So I guess my real argument here isn't so much that democracy uniquely sucks. It's that it ununiquely sucks. It's that it sucks just as much as every other form of governance because it doesn't fix any of the issues. It pushes the main issues to the side. It says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't look at those. Don't look at those. 
because we have a whole bunch of people here making the decisions now. Now we can kind of diffuse blame across all of them or go as far as saying it's your fault, random citizen, because you didn't vote hard enough. Or if you didn't vote, it's your fault because you weren't involved in the system. You could have stopped this, but you didn't. And that level of audacity is, uh, for lack of a better word, triggering to me. Uh, it's it's theater. It's political theater. I, don't, I can't think of any other better way to put it. And when you see, like, the debates, you get these babbling buffoons up on stage who are just flinging their shit at each other. And you're supposed to sit back and say, oh, yep. Yeah, so if some if a simple majority decides that one of these people should be leading me and deciding how I should live my life, I just have to accept it because that's what was written on the scroll a few hundred years ago. Really? Like, that's how we're going to do things that this is this is what the, the culmination of, of human intellectual thought and development has led to this, where we just accept the fact that. What we're what we have in front of us is the only possible answer, because that's the way things have been this entire time. I, I don't I don't think that's right. I, I've refused to accept that that's the way things have to be, because I know it doesn't have to be that way. It's mostly complacency that's let us get here and not complacency like they say it like, oh, well, you should have voted harder because you were too complacent. And, and now Donald Trump is going to be the president or if Joe Biden wins. It'll be you should have voted. And then Joe Biden wouldn't have been the president. And, you know, we wouldn't have been turned felons. It doesn't matter who's in the office. Someone somewhere is getting screwed. There is no perfect president. I don't care if you put Joe Jorgensen in office. There is no perfect president because there's no perfect government. And they're all going to be illegitimate to some extent. I don't care how many similarities Joe Jorgensen has to what could potentially even be considered anarchical leanings, which, you know, whatever you can make arguments. I'm not, I'm not going to do that today. That's not it's not why I'm here. It doesn't matter who you put in any of the seats. It doesn't matter who who's the representative and who's the president. What matters is the system at its core requires you not being able to withdraw your consent and a vote without consent is meaningless. It's meaningless. Spooner talked about the idea of the defensive vote. Like you should be able to vote to protect your liberties and nothing like I have to vote for this person. Otherwise, my liberties will be taken away from me. And that's I think that's the wrong way of looking at things because you shouldn't be in this position to begin with. Simply like defensive vote. The concept of defensive voting is is more, I think, of a of a pragmatic approach to the fact that Spooner knew that government wasn't going to be going away anytime soon. You know, he, he was pretty transparent about the fact that what he was talking about was beyond the scope of politics of the time and probably even politics of the day, honestly. But his defensive voting doesn't change the fact that you are still implicitly tied to the actions of whoever you're voting for. So, I think, like I said earlier, Spooner's defensive voting might have some kind of credence if you can vote for, let's say, um, you know, you do some voluntarist campaign like let's OK, let's talk about Patrick Smith and his not governor campaign. Right. 
If you voted for someone like that, there's a case for defensive voting, right? But they have to meet all of these criteria first before you can hit that defensive voting trigger. Because if you vote for someone who won't raise your taxes, but then let's pick something completely preposterous to make the point. They they make, I don't know, smoking illegal because it's it's an affront to God or whatever, you know, some dumb thing like that. It doesn't matter that they protected your money by not having, you know, your taxes increased or whatever, because they're probably not even going to lower your taxes to begin with. Or if they do, it won't really matter because they still exist. And it doesn't matter how much is being taken out. What matters is they're being taken out to begin with. They're going to infringe on liberties in another way. They will either allow a system to continue to exist when they shouldn't which is just as bad as as not or is introducing something new which i don't think a lot of people understand either if you're in a if you are put into a position of power to make things better and then you don't make something better <laughs> and you don't have an extremely good reason as why that's the case are you really at that point doing your due diligence as this defensively elected person to try to dismantle the tyranny that is around us. All right. Well, I feel like I did a pretty good job of beating that dead horse. So if you guys enjoyed this episode and this tirade and found something that you either didn't know or have gained a new light on a topic or some new talking points that you can bring to your next, uh, I'm sure, intellectually stimulating Facebook debate, uh, go ahead and make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on your favorite podcast provider or uh, you can check us out on Float now which is going to be our primary social media platform here going forward. Um, I'm going to keep the Facebook around probably for a while until uh, the whole data transfer thing on float comes through and then probably just going to get rid of my Facebook altogether and just be fully on float. Uh, until then, you can find me over there. Uh, again, it's float.app slash liberty underscore after underscore dark. That's going to be the page float page and you'll be able to uh, keep track of us over there on our social medias. We'll also be going live over there. It's the same thing with a slash live at the very end. Can't mess it up. Uh, we won't be doing too many live shows here in the future, especially with the debates being canceled and all that whatnot. But I figured I'd go ahead and let you guys know just in case. Uh, if you guys have any other comments or anything, go f feel free to leave those in the comments of the video section. If you disagree with me, let me know why. Make a good argument. Maybe we can have a conversation about it. Other than that, uh, I think that's all I've got for you guys. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your however long it's going to be until the next episode and take it easy.